0: The scripture reading for today is 1 Samuel 3, 1 to 11. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose sight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel said, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God. Let us
1: pray. Dear Lord, we pray that when you call us, we'll hear your voice. In these few moments together as we look more closely at these verses of scripture. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us in such a way that we might hear something new, something fresh that will give us direction in our lives. So speak to us, Lord. Your servants are listening, amen. Samuel was probably, though nobody knows for sure, but probably he was around 12 years of age When uh, when God called to him there in the tabernacle, the temple of the Lord, Uh, and it was night, he was lying on the floor, ostensibly sleeping. So the sun had gone down, and it was dark, which is an excellent metaphor for what was happening in Israel at that time. It was a time of darkness. Remember. Verse uh, 1, the, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. <laughs> Where did it go? Why was it so rare? Had it, had it disappeared? Or was it just people that weren't hearing the word? It was, it was rare. It was rare to be heard. Later on in that same verse, verse 1, the writer of 1 Samuel says, visions were not Widespread. <laughs> they needed some dream catchers to catch some of the visions of God, catch some of the dreams of God for, for their people. So you see, there, there's, a, there's a greater darkness at play here, not just simply night has descended, but darkness has, de- has descended upon the people of Israel. In verse 2, we learn that the priest, Eli, his eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see. So again, it, it, it's speaking more than about his physical inability to see, but it's as though the, the very spiritual depth of Eli has changed and there's a, there's a darkness in the land. And then Samuel, Samuel of all things, he, here he is to be a helper to Eli, uh, you know, you, you would think, well, he's kind of like, well, he he's a real religious boy, right? In verse 7, it says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. He was just, I guess his mom sent him there and he did what she said, and so, you know, he was just kind of going through the motions. No, no wonder he he couldn't he couldn't hear that it was God who was speaking. And what's remarkable is even Eli, it took three times for Samuel to come to him saying, There's a voice calling me, and I thought it was you. It took three times before even Eli realized it was God who was speaking. There's a real darkness. No wonder Samuel didn't realize what was happening there as he lay in the temple of the Lord. But, you know, the scriptures tell us that he thought it was Eli, but uh, but I wonder: did, did he first wake and did he first hear the hear the uh, the word Samuel? And did, did he imagine was he dreaming this, or or was it really was it Eli? What would he be calling me for in the middle of the night? Maybe he needed a dream catcher to catch this vision that God was presenting to him. Now, the fact is, God had been speaking to Samuel for most of his life. In fact, God had been speaking to Samuel even before he was born, before he he knew it. You see, he didn't know. He didn't know that he was going to eventually replace Eli as as the priest, as a judge. See, see, the Eli was one of the last of the judges, uh, and the judges they were meant to be, um, kind of warriors as much as anything else. They they commanded the armies of Israel, but they also judged the people. They they made decisions when there were conflicts, and and they had a priestly function in the tabernacle. That's what Eli was, and 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 you see. Samuel didn't realize that he was going to take over for Eli. He didn't know that. He was there in the temple maybe thinking, well, he was just going to, you know, wash up the, 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 uh, the altar after sacrifices were made. But he didn't really imagine that he was going to take over. He was going to become the next judge and the next priest. He didn't know that he was going to anoint the first king of Israel, Saul. Wow, God didn't even want him to have, want the Israelites to have a king, and told them you're just going to have trouble if you have a king. And, and but they insisted, and so when it finally became time to, for a king to be anointed, it was Samuel who, at that by this time, had become the priest, the judge. He was to be the one who would anoint Saul. And if that weren't enough, when Saul finally was out of the picture, it would be. Samuel, who would go and help select the next king, who would be David. And it would be Samuel who would anoint the greatest of the kings of Israel, King David. Samuel didn't know any of this about his own life. But God knew him and was calling him long before he was born. You see, that night in the temple when he was hearing the voice of God call to him, that had been set in motion years before. There's a statue in Washington, D.C., on the northeast corner of the National Archives Building. The statue is called Future. It was constructed in 1935 by Robert Aitken. There's an inscription on that that says, what is past is prologue, what is past is prologue, it, it's, a, it's a quotation from Shakespeare's The Tempest. It, it, in a way, you see what what's being said here at the National Archives is what goes, what has gone before is precursor to what is yet to be. What may be happening today or tomorrow was set in motion long ago in the past. The past is simply a prologue or introduction, if you will, to what is yet to be. So in a sense, you see, in a sense you could say that if you want to hear what God is saying to you now, look back in the past, look at at what God has already set in motion in your own life. A good example is Samuel. His mother, Hannah, was barren before he was born. And she lived at a time where it was absolutely critical for a woman to bear a child or she would be considered cursed. She was without a child and she was barren. And so she goes to the tabernacle and she sits down and in her prayers she weeps because of her condition and she cries out to God. That if God would grant her a child, she would offer this child. She would give this child back to God. And that's why Samuel was in the tabernacle. Samuel, you see, had been set apart even before he was born, even before he was conceived. His mother had already set him apart. So what was happening that night, God calling to him in the tabernacle on that that dark floor had already been set apart in motion by the prologue that had begun before he was even alive. What about Eli? How did he play a part in this past? Eli was well into his 90s when Samuel was sent to him to help out. And as as we read, he was almost blind. He had served for the last 40 years as a judge, one of the last judges of Israel. As I said, part of his role was to uh, lead the Israelites in battle. uh, The judges, uh, some of the judges you may be familiar with Samson Deborah they were leaders and and they would often take their take the Israelites into battle and they also on the home front would act as judge and priest what Eli had done is he he kind of got cocky I guess and he just thought well you know he could do no wrong and God was always going to provide victory in battle, and so he allowed his sons to take the Ark of the Covenant into battle to put it in jeopardy of being captured, and that's in fact what happens is his sons his his sons take the Ark of the Covenant and go into battle with the Philistines, and they are killed in battle, and the Ark of the Covenant is captured by the Philistines. And the scriptures make it very clear that these two sons were were not to be admired. They they were called wicked. They stole the best parts of the sacrifices that were brought to the temple. You know, they would they would bring sacrifices and they would slaughter the cattle. And what the two sons of Eli would do is they'd pick the best choice pieces of meat and take it apart to themselves, to themselves to eat. And not only that, they they committed adultery with the women. Who were serving with their father Eli at the tabernacle. So, God saw that these two sons would die in battle, and on that very same day that his sons die in battle, and the Ark of the Covenant is taken, when a messenger comes to tell Eli what has just happened, Eli is so overcome with grief, he falls over backward and he breaks his neck and he dies. Eli was having a bad day. (laughs) He was having a bad day. But you see, all of this, all of this was preparing the way for Samuel, all of it. If, if, If things had been different with Eli, maybe his sons would have taken over and would have been second in command. Maybe if Eli had lived his life differently, may, maybe he would have been in the selection process. He maybe could have helped God select his, his uh, successor. But all of this set in motion what would come later, and that was Samuel becoming indeed the last of the judges. You see God was preparing Samuel for his future. What was past had become prologue to the rest of his long eventful life. So, so my question to you this morning is, what has your past been like? Look back on your life and think of the events and the circumstances how did you end up here? You know, I asked Katie, what, what brought her to this church? I mean, what, what brought you to this place? What brought you to this place in your life, in your education, in your, in your family circumstance? What, what led up to this? What were all those little twists and turns of your life as you came along? Are you listening to how God has been speaking to you over the course of your life? God just may be calling you today, just as God called Samuel so long ago. And where you are, your particular circumstance right now may seem kind of dark. It may, may seem kind of nebulous. You may feel like Eli, that you, you can't quite see where you're to go, what, you're, what where God is leading you. Life may seem dark. You may even seem distant from God. You may feel like God isn't even there. The word of the Lord may seem like it has left. But your past, you see, is prologue. Your past has a message in it, like a message in a bottle. And if you listen carefully, you just may, you may find some clues. I happen to believe that every single circumstance of your life is um, has a, has a purpose. If you you know, there, there's a purpose behind it. Now that's not to say that God forces you into these circumstances, but it's out of these circumstances that we can grow and develop and, and change and become the people we are called to be. You and I are not predestined. We have a choice. We have free will. We can choose, as Samuel did, to go back and go. Speak, your servant is listening. We can say that, or we can go back and lie down and go, Lord, I don't want to hear you. I've heard enough of what you've been saying over the course of my life, and I don't like what you have to say, so I'm not going to listen anymore. We have that choice. He could have turned over and just tuned out that voice, but he didn't. He said, speak for your servant is listening he had finally gotten to that point where he was sort of connected if you will and now he was ready to listen that's not to say God had not been speaking God had been speaking throughout his life he just hadn't heard it the voice but now he's ready and you and I can choose to listen as well we can choose to do that or we can close our ears you know, uh, most of you know the, the background of my life. Um, when I was 10, standing on the side of, on the shoulder of the Pennsylvania Turnpike with the twisted metal of our family car on the road behind me. You know that I lost my mother and four-year-old sister in that accident. And I was doing a little little talk with God on the side of that road. I want to know why this was all happening. It was kind of almost a dreamlike state for me. But you see, I had a choice. I had a choice right then and there, and I have had a choice ever since then to spend the rest of my life shaking my fist at God and everybody around me, or I could choose to let that tragedy shape me into a better person. That's a choice I have. I can listen for God to speak, or I can just kind of tune God out. Four years later, I came home from school to our apartment to find that it was very quiet. Only to find in a few moments after I had arrived uh, uh, that a knock came to the door, and standing at the door that I opened was the pastor's wife and a police officer. They were there to tell me that my dad had died that afternoon of a heart attack. I had a new choice. I had another, another event in my life. I could listen for the voice of God, and I could allow that circumstance to, to break me or make me. You and I can live in anger and bitterness, or we can live in love. It's simple as that. That's true in my own personal life, in my spiritual life, in my political life. The choice is mine, and I'm here to say you have the same choice before you. You, Wherever you are in life, you are there because of your past. You see, the, the past is prologue. It's prologue to the rest of your life. And if you listen carefully, if you look back and you look at the different circumstances that have come your way across the course of your life, life, you you may begin to hear that still small voice of God who is calling you through the good, the bad, and the ugly. All those circumstances that have come your way. So, here's my challenge to you. Listen, listen for that voice of God. And you just might hear God say, as God said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something. I'm about to do something that will make both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. I wonder what God will say to you. Let us pray. Lord, help us to hear your voice when you call us and maybe more importantly, help us to respond. Amen.